today on Blue 58. If you want to look silly, just take a look at some things that you said in the past with the benefit of hindsight. I like feeling silly, so that's what we're going to do today. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. It is time for our annual prediction review. We're going to sit down and start looking back on everything that we predicted for the 2021 Packers season. And spoiler alert, it doesn't go particularly well, but we failed in some interesting ways, and that's an interesting way to learn some things. More on that in a second. Wanted to make you aware of some stuff coming down the pipe for uh, your Blue 58 listening pleasure here in the next couple weeks, probably two and a half, three weeks out, looking at the last week of May, first week of June for this, we're going to be starting our Blue 58 book club. And this year, we are going to be taking on The Games That Changed the Game by Ron Jaworski. This book has come in second in our off or our voting the last couple of years, so I figured we'd just skip the middleman this time around and just go with that book uh, because a lot of people seem to have interest in it. It dovetails into the history aspects of the show that we like to touch on a lot, and I think it would be a good read. So go ahead and take a look at that. Uh, get yourself a copy, buy it on, on Kindle, wherever you read. Uh, just get yourself a copy because we're going to start talking about that here in a couple of weeks, probably two or three weeks or so. Um that dovetails really nicely with uh, another pitch here. If you would like to go a little bit deeper with your Blue 58 book club discussion, a great way to do that is to get involved with our Discord server. And the only way you get access to the Discord server is by being a Patreon supporter. Patreon.com slash ThePowerSweep is where you sign up to do that. Any amount of month, uh, any amount of support per month gets you all of the benefits of being a supporter of the Power Sweep. Bonus content, access to that Discord server support for a podcast that is committed to being ad-free now and forever. So join us there. Join us in the Discord. Get involved at the Blue 58 Book Club and just have a lot of fun with Packers fans from all around the world. All right, prediction time. Well, prediction time was a while ago. A couple weeks ago, if you're talking about the NFL draft, about a year ago, if you're talking about some other predictions. We're going to start looking at NFL draft predictions first, but then I want to take a second and walk through our predictions from last year, see how we did, because this is, as we go through the time between the NFL draft and the start of the 2022 season, this is where I'd like to go back now and take a look at some of the stuff that we we all experienced together in 2021. And I want to start that by looking at predictions. Many of these predictions turned out to be wrong, and that doesn't bother me as much as it once did. Um, Being wrong is great in a lot of ways. Uh, Because when you're wrong, you get a chance to learn something. Why did I think that? Why did that turn out to be different than I thought it would be? Um, And what should we learn for the future based on how things turned out incorrectly? But first, before we dive back to 2021, let's take a look at the six predictions I made for the 2022 NFL draft. I predicted the Packers would trade up at least once in the 2022 NFL draft that turned out to be correct. They traded up in a big way to get Christian Watson. I predicted that the Packers would either go get one receiver or a wide receiver and a big man in the first round. And they did kind of half of one of those things. They didn't select a receiver in the first round. They did take Devontae Wyatt, but uh, can't count that one as correct. Uh, The Packers I I predicted would draft at least one offensive lineman. They ended up drafting three, so that's pretty solid. The Packers, I predicted, would draft a running back. They did not, though they did sign Tyler Goodson as an undrafted free agent, so that's pretty much the next best thing, but that prediction was incorrect. I predicted the Packers would draft a defensive back, and I'm not really sure what to do about this one because they drafted Tariq Carpenter, who was a safety 
in college, but he's probably going to be more of a linebacker in the NFL. I was a defensive back when they drafted him. What do you call that? I'm going to say push here. We're not going to count that as correct or incorrect. Finally, I predicted the Packers would draft a player from Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, Mississippi, or Appalachian State. Based on the the trends that the Packers have showed, especially under Brian Gutekunst, of kind of returning to the well of places where they have drafted recently. And wouldn't you know it, the Packers went to Georgia twice in the first round, selecting Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt, both of them former Bulldogs. Now, as far as predictions from 2021, I think the important thing to remember is this is what we thought at the time. Uh, Thinking back on things you may have thought back then, a year ago, 15 months ago, even some of these predictions, um, it's important to remember what we what we thought at the time. It's also important to remember, again, um, many of these were predicated on the Packers roster as it stood towards the middle of the summer last year. So we did predictions towards the end of training camp, uh, as well as some earlier in the year, shortly before the start of free agency. So that brings us to the very first prediction I made in 2021, which turned out to be incorrect, that the Packers would release Preston Smith. And wouldn't you know it, they kept him around. Of the three edge rushers the Packers had at the time, uh, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, and Rashawn Gary, I thought Smith, Preston Smith, Smith seemed like the expendable one. But as it turned out, he ended up being a key piece of the 2021 Packers. He accepted a deal that really, you talk about team-friendly deals, there are team-friendly deals and there are team-friendly deals. And this one was a situation where he could earn back some of his money through incentives and he ended up doing that, but he was basically betting big on himself by giving up a lot to stay with the Packers. And it ultimately worked out for all sides, but we were incorrect about that, that prediction. Smith returned to the Packers on a restructured deal. And he ended up having a a pretty great year. We also predicted that Corey Lindsley would not return to the Packers. That turned out to be correct. He signed with the Chargers last year. Again, oddly, I think that kind of ends up being a a win-win for both sides. Lindsley gets one more payday, albeit not with the Packers, a team he's been with since 2014. But the Packers ultimately took Josh Myers. And other than his injury stuff, it seems like he's off to a great start with the Packers. And as we've talked about this offseason already, He's got a bright season or great bright future in Green Bay this season and beyond because of his versatility. He could end up at guard for the Packers if somebody like Zach Tom ends up playing center, which is a possibility, I think. He could just slot in at center and be really solid for for years and years, but assuming he's healthy, I think he's going to be a really solid contributor going forward. We also predicted that Aaron Jones would not return to the Packers and he did re-sign with the Packers on a very very nice contract one that is probably going to see him exiting Green Bay after 2022. But as far as 2021 went, Aaron Jones was a member of the Packers, and um, he ended up staying. I did predict uh, that the Packers would make an offer to Jones. I thought it was going to be very similar to stuff we've seen in the past, where a guy is, you know, news breaks that a guy is going to sign elsewhere, and it comes out, oh, well, the Packers did make an offer that was very comparable to this one. He just ended up signing elsewhere. You wonder how serious some of those offers were, but uh, the the Packers ultimately offered to Jones and he accepted. Interesting to see how this next one played out, because I predicted that the Packers would rework Devontae Adams' contract by the start of the league year. Not only did they not rework his contract by the start of last league year, they didn't rework it during the summer, they didn't extend him during the season, they didn't extend him at all. 
ultimately franchise tagging him and then shipping him off to the Las Vegas Raiders. And now here we are. Given where things stood at the time, it still seemed like a pretty good bet that the Packers were going to make something work with Devontae Adams. And I would have said like right up until the time when he was traded, that was a pretty solid bet. I even included Devontae Adams in our jersey buying guide that I did at thepowersweep.com on the assumption that, well, they're not going to let Devontae Adams go anywhere, are they? Well, as a matter of fact, it wasn't up to the Packers at all. Adams decided he wanted to be elsewhere, and the Packers were, were happy to oblige him. I also predicted about that time that Aaron Rodgers would rework his contract. And this one is funny in hindsight, too, because now we've seen that Rodgers returned to the Packers. He had the contract extension. He had all of those things, blah, blah, blah. But at the time, it looked like it was going to be a one-and-done sort of situation. It looked like the Packers had redone his deal to make sure that they could get out with very little harm after 2022, 2021. Now, he still would have been under contract for 2022, but then he had the void year after that, and you really don't want your franchise quarterback going into a lame duck year. They did put all that together and ultimately come out the other side with a an extended Aaron Rodgers and apparently happier Aaron Rodgers. But, hey, um, it was a, a weird deal at the time, but they ended up doing what we predicted. I predicted that last spring the Packers would sign at least one noteworthy free agent in the spring. And that ends up being a key distinction because it wasn't until late in the summer that the Packers made two noteworthy free agent deals. So this prediction ends up being incorrect, but the Packers did make some key moves in free agency last year. And I think it's it's easy to overlook that considering how free agency has played out so far this year. The Packers really have been fairly silent so far. Uh, bringing, of course, Sammy Watkins aboard. That is a noteworthy deal, but it's not really a big money deal. Kind of the same thing last year. I predicted the Packers would make a noteworthy move. They didn't. But ultimately, they end up signing both Dennis Kelly and Devondre Campbell once the summer is well underway. Kelly ends up starting a few games for the Packers, and he's pretty good overall. But Campbell, you know the story there. Um, He ends up having an all-pro caliber season, gets a big extension with the Packers, and now is going to be part of probably the best inside linebacker duo we've seen in Green Bay since, I don't know, probably 25 years at least. You've got to go probably back to those 90s Packers teams, and I can't really claim to be a super, super in-depth expert on, you know, their relative merits of the inside linebacker play then as to now, especially considering that we haven't even seen Quay Walker on the field. But we predicted that the Packers would make out at least one noteworthy free agent signing. But we did say that it would be, wouldn't be J.J. Watt. The rumors were hot and heavy last spring that J.J. Watt was going to sign with the Green Bay Packers, and we predicted that that wouldn't happen, and ultimately he ends up signing with the Arizona Cardinals. I wonder how big a difference a guy like Watt would have made. If you could have had Watt, if you could have said last spring, you can have J.J. Watt or you can have Devondre Campbell, who would you have taken? I think most people would have taken J.J. Watt. But if you would say that now, I think most people would say Devondre Campbell. Which guy would have made the bigger impact, though? Did the Packers really need a third edge rusher slash defensive lineman type? Would a guy like Watt have made a big difference in the playoffs? I don't think so, but I don't know if you can say that Campbell made an overly huge difference in the playoffs either, especially considering how the 49ers were able to move the ball attacking over the middle 
Now, that's not entirely Campbell's fault, but it it makes you wonder a little bit. Maybe that's where they need a guy like Quay Walker just to cover up for some of the, the other issues with, with players like safeties. Last year's draft picks ended up working out pretty well. Uh, made four draft predictions, and here they are. I predicted the Packers would draft a receiver at some point during the draft. I predicted the Packers would take a defensive back or lineman in the first round. I predicted the Packers would take multiple offensive linemen in the draft. And I predicted the Packers would take a running back. Now, of course, they drafted Amari Rogers last year in the third round. That's correct. They drafted a defensive back in the first round in Eric Stokes. They selected three offensive linemen last year throughout the draft. And then they took Kylan Hill in the seventh round. And it was actually because of Kylan Hill's injury that I predicted the Packers would take another running back this year. Turning to the regular season predictions, these get a little bit fun when you talk about mindset at the time. Number two here is really interesting. First and foremost, though I predicted that A.J. Dillon would lead the Packers in rushing yards, yes, on a technicality, but still correct. A.J. Dillon had 803 rushing yards in 2021, beating Aaron Jones by four yards. 799 yards for Aaron Jones, though he did play two fewer games than A.J. Dillon. Still, the numbers are the numbers. I predicted, very optimistically, that Marquez Valdez-Scantling would have 1,000 yards in 2021 and that MVS would lead the Packers in explosive plays. Now, you may not have the numbers in front of you, but I can bet you'd come pretty close to guessing whether or not he made it to 1,000 yards or led the Packers in explosive plays. He only had 430 receiving yards in 11 games, so it wasn't like he was on pace to get close to 1,000 because that's only 39 per game. And he only had nine explosive plays in 2021, and Devontae Adams led the team with 34. So, not even close. I was hoping for a big jump from MVS. It did not really materialize. This one's a bummer because I predicted that Rashawn Gary would have 10 or more sacks in 2021. Only had nine and a half. So close, but them's the breaks. We also predicted the Packers would win uh, at two separate occasions, 11-plus games and the NFC North. And then I predicted the Packers would, would win uh, at least 12 games. They won 13, so they beat 12, they beat 11, and they won the NFC North, correct and correct. We also predicted that Aaron Rodgers would throw 35 or more touchdowns in 2021. He threw 37. But I also predicted there, when it comes to Rodgers, that he'd play every game in 2021. A bit of a historical outlier liar for him. And of course, midseason, he missed one game for completely inconspicuous reasons. Boy, that was a fun couple of weeks, wasn't it? Nope, not really. Um, Jordan Love, I predicted, would play more than 50 snaps in 2021. He ended up playing 131. More quarterback predictions. I thought Kurt Bankert would end up on the 53-man roster at some point. He did. He played in one game and had two correct snaps, or two snaps. Uh, Aaron Jones, circling back to running backs, I predicted would score double-digit touchdowns again this year. This is one that uh, looked like it wasn't going to come to fruition until fairly late in the year. Aaron Jones started getting in the end zone a little bit more. He ended up with 10 touchdowns on the dot, four rushing and six receiving. And uh, my sources say that is double digits, in fact. Uh, Patrick Taylor, I predicted, would be on the 53-man roster at some point and get a carry. He was active for nine games, as it turned out, and carried the ball 23 times. Back to optimistic wide receiver predictions. I thought Devontae Adams would lead the league in receiving touchdowns yet again. 
He did have 11, which is pretty good, but that was good for just fifth in the league in 2021. A lot of guys got in the end zone quite a bit last season. This one doesn't feel great to get correct, but I predicted that nine offensive linemen would make a start for the Packers in 2021, and we ended up getting that one right on the button. Royce Newman, John Runyon, Lucas Patrick, Billy Turner, Elton Jenkins, Yash Nyman, Josh Myers, Dennis Kelly, and David Bakhtiari all started games for the Packers in 2021. Now, obviously, you need some injuries to make that happen, but uh, they did make it happen. And by and large, I don't think the line missed all that many beats last year. Outside of the divisional round game, I can't point to a lot of situations where you really felt like the offensive line was was a shortcoming. And that really speaks to the value that Adam Stenovich brings to the Packers coaching staff. and something that he, I hope, will be able to continue as the, the Packers offensive coordinator. On the defensive side, I predicted that Zadaria Smith wouldn't get to 10 sacks. As a matter of fact, he had zero regular season sacks in 2021, did have the one in the postseason. I predicted that Preston Smith would have more than five sacks, but less than 10. He ended up with nine. And I predicted that Isaiah, uh, that, uh, not Isaiah McDuffie, he's in the next one. Devondre Campbell would lead the Packers in tackles. He did with 146. I predicted that Chris Barnes, Oren Burks, Isaiah McDuffie, and Ty Summers would each start a game for the Packers. McDuffie and Summers did not start for the Packers, but both Burks and Barnes did uh, behind Devondre Campbell. Jair Alexander, I thought, would make the Pro Bowl. He did not. I also thought Alexander would be named an All-Pro. He was not. But we did get correct that Eric Stokes would be a full-time starter by Week 6. He took over pretty early, thanks in part to an injury to Kevin King. He played 100% of the defensive snaps in Week 3 and never played more than 90%, or never played less than 90%, excuse me, for the rest of the 2021 season. As a side note, I, he's one of the players I think I am most excited about in 2022. I think he got by in a lot of ways on athleticism in 2021, though his, his technique I think was better than almost anybody could have predicted. But I think what you're going to see with Stokes in 2022 is really harnessing some of that athleticism. And the Packers gave themselves some redundancy bringing back Rasul Douglas and now Stokes doesn't have to be one of the guys at corner. He can still continue this this learning trend that he's going through, which is a great situation for him to be in and a great situation for the Packers to be in. I guess that's maybe we should make that the theme of the 2022 Packers, doing more by doing less. Because there's a lot of guys, I feel like, that are in that sort of situation. They're, they're going to be able to do more, hopefully, by doing a little bit less. Darnell Savage, we're hoping, is going to have a slightly bit, a slightly more limited role in 2022, which hopefully will help him take some strides, clean up some of the mistakes that he's made. Romeo Dubs, coming out of Nevada, where he had to do a lot for the Wolfpack and did it pretty well, is going to have a chance to focus on doing some smaller things. Hopefully, a guy like Amari Rogers, uh, who I've now written two pieces about over at patreon.com slash thepowersweep this offseason, Hopefully by focusing on his already small role and just ironing out a couple of things, he'll be able to do more for the Packers. It continues. You know, guys playing smaller roles, maybe due to some redundancy on the roster, being able to focus on smaller things and have a bigger impact as a result. 
just a, I guess, a working theory. We predicted sticking in the secondary that Adrian Amos would make his first Pro Bowl. He unfortunately did not make the Pro Bowl. That is a bit of a bummer. Thought he had a great year last year. Uh, potentially, perhaps his best season in Green Bay. I, I would have to look closer at his numbers, but it sure felt like his best season in Green Bay. Just looking back, he's he's just been really, really solid. Turning to special teams, a couple of stingers here. I predicted that Corey Bohorquez would not be J.K. Scott's punting average. He did, but I hardly think you can feel great about how he kicked the ball in 2021. Consistency, not an issue or a big issue for him down the stretch. He averaged 46.5 yards per punt in 2021. J.K. Scott averaged 45.5 in 2020. Bohorquez still beats Scott's net average, too, if you want to go by that, uh, by that metric as well, by about two-tenths of a yard. So... Overall, better performing or better performance from Bohorquez. Uh, I predicted that Mason Crosby would make 90% or more of his kicks for the third consecutive year. He made 91% in 2020. He made 100 uh, in 2019. Excuse me. He made 100% of his field goals in 2021. In 2020, and uh, in 2021, just 73.5%. But blocks, you say? Yep, that is true. He did have a few of them blocked. But he missed nine kicks, uh, and even if you gave him credit for five blocks, that still doesn't get him up to 90%. Bummer. Just the way things go. And uh, fortunately, it ended up biting the Packers in the playoffs. Tongue firmly in cheek there. Yes, of course it did. Uh, I predicted, looking at their efficiency numbers, that the Packers would be worse by offensive DVOA. Even though the Packers still rank second in the league, overall, uh, they declined in performance from 2021. And it was part of a weird sort of decline in offensive performance across the board. The Packers were worse, putting up a 20.2% rating uh, in football outsiders metric there versus a 29.1% rating in 2021. I predicted the Packers would be better by defensive DVOA. This was a weird one for me because by the advanced numbers, the Packers were worse on defense. They scored a 0.5% rating from Football Outsiders in 2020. They were down, slash up, to a 3.6% rating in 2021. You want to have a lower number in defensive DVOA, and uh, theirs went the wrong direction. But feel-wise, do you feel like the Packers' defense was worse in 2021? I don't. I think they just got burned by having a really, really bad performance to start the year that hurt their performance overall in the stats a lot. Um... And I think they giving up a bunch of points to the Rams and Vikings or Vikings and Rams in back-to-back weeks probably sunk them too. But overall, I, I don't feel like the defense was that measurably worse at all. They're probably better uh, than the Packers' defense was in 2020. It at least felt like they were more confident. Uh, competent, not confident. Well, confident too, I suppose, uh, because they... they just were in the right place all the time. They're doing the right things. They were not screwing up on defense. What more do you want? Circling back to the Mason Crosby prediction, looking at the advanced stats again, I predicted the Packers would be better by special teams DVOA. I think I figured at the time that you couldn't really fall off the floor. But as it turned out, ranking in the mid-20s by those figures did give the Packers plenty of room to go down, and down they went. Won't get into the finer points because it doesn't really matter, but they were worse. It was bad. Breaking news, middle of May 2022, the Packers were bad on special teams in 2021. Just in case you hadn't heard. Finally, 
we predicted that the Packers would advance to at least the divisional round in 2021. Well, they did. They got to the divisional round with a bye, and then that's all the further they got. Don't need to dig into that one any further. What do we learn from all this? Well, by and large, better than a coin flip, prediction-wise. 23 correct, 17 incorrect on 40 predictions. That's 57.5%. Not too shabby. I think the thing that I learned here looking at this is that roles are really hard to project from year to year. A lot of these statistical predictions were role-specific. A.J. Dillon did end up leading the Packers in rushing yards, but it pretty much was just because Aaron Jones got hurt. He didn't have the primary running back role in the Packers' offense. Will he in 2022? I think you can make the case, but it's hard to say one way or another. I thought that MVS would have 1,000 yards in 2021 because I thought he would have a bigger role in the Packers' offense. And not only was he inconsistent when he was on the field, he just never really got a chance to shine as much as some of the other guys. The Packers did try to get to him deep a lot of times, but he just couldn't convert when given the opportunity. Um, And it was a, a bummer to watch. I think trying to figure out what exactly is going to happen statistically on defense is kind of a fool's errand. Though we did get the Eric Stokes thing correct, um, figuring out what the Packers were going to do beyond Devondre Campbell at inside linebacker turned out to be a a wash at best. Uh, McDuffie and Summers, uh, clearly I was higher on them the most. That's probably just a miss by me. I was figuring on some injuries there or some matchup stuff, I guess. But uh, they're special teams only players, and I think that will continue in 2021 or 2022. It's hard to predict roles. I think we do better than most here on this podcast and and our site at doing that. But um, this is a hard game to really project. And I think that is something we need to bear in mind for positive and negative predictions for the Packers heading into 2022. There is a lot of, maybe that I I don't think it's as much around the, the local media or the people that cover the Packers specifically, but I think there's a lot of predictions around, oh, the Packers are going to end up like this at wide receiver. Heck, today, uh, shortly before we recorded, uh, there was news coming out from Ian Rappaport that he wouldn't be surprised if they're in the mix for Jarvis Landry or Julio Jones or Odell Beckham Jr. Now, maybe he's just throwing names out there. But I think it's it's representative of this perspective from the national media that the Packers still need help at receiver. And maybe they do. That's that's very possible. I I sure wouldn't be surprised to see them make an additional move. But I think we should have some pause there, too, because the Packers did sign a guy who fits a lot of the things that they like in Sammy Watkins. He's got some deep speed. We know he's a good blocker in the running game. And then they drafted three guys, all of whom you can see projecting really well into what the Packers do. I mean, Christian Watson, he is not Marquez Valdez-Scantling, but he is going to be able to fill that role immediately. He's going to be able to get deep. Sure, he might struggle with some of the physicality aspects of, of playing you know, NFL players after playing at the FCF, FCS level, sure, that's that's fair, I think. But he can still run fast, and so can Romeo Dubs. And Samori Touré, I mean, he can play special teams of nothing else. Add those guys to Alan Lazard, Amari Rodgers, Randall Cobb. It wouldn't at all be surprising to have the Packers sit there in July and say, you know what, we're set. We're set at receiver. Everyone thinks we need to make another move. We've got three draft picks. We've got Amari Rodgers, a draft pick last year. We've got Randall Cobb, who's Aaron Rodgers' best friend. 
And we've got Sammy Watkins, who, you know, he's been around. He's been a pro. He's been productive just about everywhere he's been, uh, adjusting for the the role that he has. Uh, All that to say, we need to be careful about projecting things. That, I think, is the big takeaway. And if you try to project things too hard or too specifically, you're going to end up just looking silly. And you'll be here on your own podcast someday talking about how bad your predictions turned out to be for a given year. So I've got for you on this episode of Blue 58, I appreciate you so much listening in. I'd appreciate it even more if you'd take a second to share this episode with somebody you think would enjoy it. How can you do that? Share it on social media, text it to somebody, uh, tweet it out, Facebook it out, email it to someone, find a way to get it in front of somebody. If you could do us just that favor, that'd be the biggest thing you could do to help the show grow. And we do want to continue to grow, get more people involved in this conversation that you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.